Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Somewhat Damaged. I'm your host, Greg Alperin, and with me as always, John B. Today, we welcome Adam Hunter. Remember, rate, review, subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. Good. How's the fight game? Uh, it's good. It's too many fights. Uh, <laughs> you know, it used to be just UFC. And then, then, you know, I have like friends that have like become friends with a lot of these fighters. So they're all different organizations now. So I try to like support them and watch because I like watching them. But like Friday was PFL and then Bellator and then Saturday was UFC. Then there was like a bo- two good boxing matches and there's bare knuckle boxing. It's just like six things that I like want to. My friend has this submission underground. I have to like, I'm like, I can't watch everything. I'm like literally like trying to watch stuff now while I'm doing something else. So I'm just not just, just watching it. I'm like watching it while doing laundry or watching it while <laughs> watching a kid or watching it while writing jokes. So that way I'm not just like completely, you know, into it. Right. Did you say bare gloved boxing? Yeah, bare knuckle boxing. Bare knuckle. What? That happens still and not on the streets? <laughs> Yeah, right. There's actually bare knuckle MMA, which just started like two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, bare knuckle boxing, it's a crazy sport. I mean, they, it's not totally, they, they wrap their hands a little bit. The knuckles are, are actually like out, but um, a lot of MMA fighters are crossing over and it, it's brutal. It's like a different type of boxing. It's like more like a hockey fight in some huh, ways. Yeah. Because you could also hold the back of the guy's head and just hit him. Oh, so, fuck. <laughs> so a lot of guys, like, they don't um, – and they it's funny. Like, they have to stand on a line. They go, all right, everyone, knuckle up. You know, it's sort of like the early days of the UFC. Yeah. Where And then they get guys where, like, they look like they found them in the parking lot versus a guy who's good. Like, you know how this is going to end. Right, right. Uh, you can't like, – you don't know why someone joined up for this. Exactly. Like those old Kimbo – like videos of him bashing guys and those guys, look, those guys look more qualified. I'm yeah. not even kidding. Wow. The Kimbo guys look like, um, because yeah, I don't know what, because this is like sanction and for and for money. I mean, um, I I think that that that's why you're getting unqualified guys maybe because they're like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll pick up five hundred or thousand bucks. Whereas the Kimbo right. free, so maybe they were more into it. It's like doing something for the love, right? For getting paid. Is it like there's is there similarities? Have you watched the rough and rowdy stuff that Portnoy's been doing and shit like that? I mean, it's kind of like that a little bit, but it's uh, it's less funny and le- less fun. I mean, those guys are like, that, like that's entertaining, but that's right. solely entertaining. Sure, you know, like sure. this, this is entertaining, but like. Man, like that that guy used to be a world champion, you know, uh, or that guy used to uh, like you actually know how much time. I feel like the, the Portno guys are like, uh, I mean, I've watched a couple of them where guy, one guy was like, I'm going to be the next Mike Tyson. And he was like, oh, and five. And <laughs> it's like, it was like terrible. It's my record. I'm oh, and five. Yeah. And you're like, how did that guy, like, <laughs> this, you're dealing with some mentally disabled people or something. Something's going on here. Like, like there's nobody. I mean, it happens in MMA too, though. Like my, my buddy Ben Askren fought, uh, he lost to Jake Paul. And I, and you're like, man, what were you thinking? Like, like I, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll call up the trainers and I'm like, dude, why did you not tell him this was a bad idea? You yeah. know, like, but you know, you're getting a half million dollars or whatever he was getting. It's like, fuck it. Right. 
What do you think about the the Pauls and their and their fighting aspirations? I mean, I think that they're being uh, falsely qualified as like YouTubers. Right. You know, everyone's like, "Oh, a bunch of YouTubers," you know. But I think that works in their advantage, you know, because they're you know they're both they're both high level high school wrestlers. One guy wrestled in college. They're young. They've been training with like Sugar Shane Mosley and like the best boxing trainers for three years. They're, they're, they don't test in that league, so they're probably on all kinds of testosterone. You know, I know allegedly they're on all kinds of juice. They're also really smart because they're picking guys that don't box. They're picking guys that are like UFC guys, MMA guys, but they're uh, they're like wrestlers, or right. they outweigh them by 30 pounds, or even with Mayweather, he outweighs them by 60, 70 pounds. So a guy with like Mayweather is notoriously for having bad hands. So like when you outweigh somebody by 90 pounds uh, and the guy's 23 years older than you, so they're picking like name guys. Uh, but they're, not to mention the height and the and the, and the, uh, the stretch of their arms has got to be like, yeah. these are lanky dudes. I mean, we used to be lanky dudes when I remember. But they're smart. I mean, they're, they're, they're well-managed. They're, they're making a ton of money. They're, they're entertaining. They're funny. I mean, even, even the fact that they were YouTubers, they were like the best at YouTube. Right. I mean, there's a billion people at YouTube, but they're getting the most hits. So they're obviously right. like smart kids. Look, the one kid was a Disney kid. So he, he's not some just like kid they picked out. The kid was on like a TV show for a long time with Disney stars. Um, that being said, it, it, it is like, uh, you know, it is like that comedian who was popular at doing something else that didn't have to actually do any open mics, didn't actually have to work. They kind of had a guy write his material for him. Yeah, he had to deliver it when he's up there. So there's like, if you come at it from like a purist standpoint, you're like, man, this is bullshit. Like yeah. there's like 10,000 other comedians that are better than them. But if you look at it as like a business standpoint, you're like, yeah, but that guy puts asses in seats and the other guy doesn't. So. You know, I mean, it, listen, uh, it, you know, it, it's, it's funny. Let's look, if we can just kind of, go to the, the comedy realm behind it you know obviously being out in LA you see this you see the people going out there whether it be you know Will Smith uh, who tried his hand in it um, you know we uh, here on the East Coast I know Bill de Blasio is working on his set right now um, for uh, right before he um, he uh, he's out of office what's your feelings on clubs booking or not even clubs venues in general booking you know YouTube stars or celebrities and glorifying them as comedians. I mean, I started in New York, like Stand Up New York was my home club actually, uh, back in the day. Like I was managed by Stand Up New York at one point uh, by Carrie Hoffman. Uh, oh, wow. I like go, I go way back to those days. Um, but my, but the, to, to answer your question, um, what are my thoughts about that? I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't bother me because you're not taking money out of, out, of, out of my thing. It's not like, you know, like, it's not like, oh, I was booked here, but now I'm not because Brendan Schaub is working here. You know, it's like Brendan Schaub is doing the Brendan Schaub comedy show and he's booking he's booking headlining spots and he's getting spots. It didn't take a weekend away from me, you know, to be to be honest, you know, um, you know, there is that fact of like there's the schools of thoughts of like, well, they're bringing people that would never come to the comedy club and maybe they'll stay there. And then there's a school of thought of like, well, they're going to the comedy club and people are having an awful experience. Not with Shao in particular, but like with other comics, you're like, yeah, and now they're never coming back. Right. A lot of a, that was like how it used to be, but then they started getting smart. A lot of these guys where they would bring three headliners and they would host the show, so they would just bring people on. So they bring everyone in the door, and then, I mean, 
I don't know, like I worked with Piven for a while when he started, like I was, I, me and Piven toured together. And I mean, people were coming because they were fans of Jeremy Piven. They, were, they weren't becoming because they were fans of stand-up comedy. Right. Uh, so, and then, you know, Piven was like giving them a show. He was giving them a, a good show, a really good show. Uh, and he was doing, a, and he was, you know, giving them more than just a book thing. But it's sort of like, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not one of these guys like, fuck these people, because it doesn't really, it doesn't really affect me. It really doesn't. It know? means a lot hearing that from somebody who, you know, has, was there during the Carrie Hoffman days to kind of be like, yeah, this is a business. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. we have to like, and, and one of the ways that I've done, uh, I've kind of explained it to, you know, the up and coming comics and the purists, as they say, is like, if I can sell out on a Thursday night with Evan and collect bank, that makes me able to do a Monday night show where 13 people are in the room. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it's 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 welcoming, Adam, to hear that uh, from, from your perspective. You know, Greg, I think we always talk about you know what is a comic and what is a comedian. You know, uh, I mean, uh, Greg, yeah, I mean, I think I'd. I mean, we're doing LA shows soon. We're doing LA shows uh, next week, and uh, I don't know. I had this thing. I was like, maybe I'll book like a YouTube sensation on it to kind of, you know, get some butts and seats. Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends. I mean, it definitely like, and I, I think I think that a lot of them that they they think it's going to be one thing, and then they quickly fail. Like you know, like the, some of the housewives, some yeah. of the people that come, they, they think that it's going to be them. You know, at the same time, there's something that I really enjoy about watching a kid that doesn't do the work or a person just get buried on like a lineup with with a with like an unknown. Or a, like a, or somebody that's like just hungrier yeah. and better. I mean, and then that happened to me a couple of times. Like not that happened to me, but like I went before a guy and then they were like, wow, you know, I've never performed in front of anyone where I didn't bring the whole crowd, you know? Um, and there's certain things, but then it's like, it depends of like, do you want to be a comic or do you want, but that's the thing with podcasts. It's become such an, like a niche thing. Like I remember I, I did a show and uh, Marlon Wayans wanted to come on my show. Uh, I know doctors are here. I know, I know, I know. Uh, can you I know. Can you have him wait like 15 minutes? Is that possible? Uh, I might do a podcast while getting a physical. That's okay. Uh, so um, <laughs> That would be a first. <laughs> uh, so, like, I remember Marlon Wayans wanted to do a, um, a guest set on my show. And I was like, yeah, of course, obviously. And I remember telling my wife, like, hey, Marlon Wayans. And she's like, wow. Like, like, what's what's he been up to? And I was like, uh, well, he has a show on NBC called Marlon. Uh, <laughs> and she was like, oh, but like that didn't exist, you right. know, back if you had a show on NBC called Marlon, you know, or or like Titus or like everyone knew about it, sure. you know, whereas like now you could be on like season seven of a fucking show. And I have no idea what the show is. I, I literally that happened to me. Yesterday, I was with, working with Jonathan Kite, and he's like, "Oh man, my my friend's show got canceled." Fuck! I go, I go, "Well, well what show is it?" He goes, "Good Girls." I go, I, "I've never heard of that show or something." Like, I don't know what that. And he's like, "Oh, dude, it's really it's on season four. Like, I I never heard. Like, I have no. And I hope I'm not breaking the fact that shows me can. But but I'm saying like. It, it's such a fucking listen. We had a good run, you know. I, I think we saturated around season two, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy that you could just become famous within your world. Like I, I walk into fights, and my wife's like, "Oh, well, you're UFC famous," you know. Like, but like then I leave, and I'm like, no longer. It's just, I and I think it's a good thing as well as it's like, 
not a good thing in some ways because right. it's like you want to you want to be able to branch out like i had a special on ufc fight pass last year yeah and uh which is great because but i'm like now i'm like well do i still do that material because i burned that material but i burned it on people who have ufc fight pass right like i, I didn't burn it on netflix where like everybody's seen it you know so i'm like well uh, it's like do I keep doing it? This and that. So it's just like, well, the people that saw the Nest special, if they see me on Netflix, they're gonna get mad. I'm like, yeah, but how many fucking people are? Is that you know, like in the large scene of things? So it's how, how did that do on on Fight Pass? It went good. I mean, we're doing another one, um, right. and uh, and Dana loved it, and it, it, you know, people from uh, Endeavor loved it, and like, but it was it was hard. I mean, it was really hard. It was during the pandemic. Um, it was people were wearing masks in the crowd. Uh, it held like 200 people, but only four, like 50 were allowed to come. Right. You could have like a fourth of the crowd. So then like 50 of those people were actually crew members. But it, that being said, it went really good. It was not my idea. Like, like when I thought I'm gonna have a special, I thought like a thousand people rip roaring. And it was like, but I, I've done enough shows where I'm like, all right, like let's just fucking, you know, let's just, let's just rock it. And sometimes those are like the best shows you do or the ones uh, where like, it, I wouldn't say hell gigs, but you're like, man, those are the funniest gigs. Right. Like where there's like obstacles in front of you and you have to overcome them. Yeah, sure. How, how do you balance the the fight stuff with the comedy stuff? Uh, it, you know, it's hard because sometimes I'm like, man, I didn't write any fucking new jokes this week. But I'm like, well, I wrote 75 MMA jokes, you know? Yeah. So I have to constantly remember like, uh, like when I, when I, when I tour, I, I really do any MMA jokes unless it's like, I, I do Vegas like four times a year during fights and a lot of fighters come and I can fuck with them. But then I don't want the people in the crowd to be like, this is like an inside party that like I'm didn't get invited to. Right. Um, you know, in the beginning it was hard because I, I was coming at it from a strictly comedy perspective. Like basically how that whole thing happened was I came out here and I was opening for John Heffron and Heffron called me up and Heffron was like hosting the MMA awards and asked me to come uh, write some sketches for him. So I wrote some sketches and they kind of went viral in the MMA community. And then I ran into Dana White at a, at a casino and Dana was like, hey, uh, I pitched up a couple shows that I had. I had this idea of a show called So You Think You're a Tough Guy, where I drive around in a truck and there's an octagon on the truck and a, and a person in the back, a fighter, and people who were like, I could take this guy, you could actually fight them. So it's like a cash cab meets, right. uh, meets like bully beatdown. Well, he was like, we can't have unsanctioned fights in our parking lots, but but he's like, but I'd love to have you. I love Tosh Point. I'd love to do like a thing where you roast fighters and events. So then I had a job working for the UFC for four four years like roasting events. Right. But then but then on those videos I could only get like ten jokes in. So I'd write a hundred. So I put ninety on MMA roasted, just a Twitter account. Sure. And then all, and all these fighters started thing. And then then Fox Sports came to me and said, Hey, we want to give you a podcast on Fox Sports. Uh, and also a job where you're pretending your fighters talking shit to each other during fights right. and we'll, we'll call it text from last fight. And then, so it was sort of like that quarterback thing where they were talking. So then that became like every week I would have these fake conversations. And then I was in the meantime, writing MMA awards. So some of my videos, like I did a thing with Daniel Cormier where it was like all about the cake and chicken and had him dancing. So all about the base. And then that got, you know, 30 million hits. So then I was like doing all this stuff. And then, uh, and then it kind of, and then it like, it sort of came to an end. Like I got fired, Fox Sports went over to ESPN and, and then I got fired from this job. And I, I, you know, it was just one of those things. But then uh, Dana was like, hey, I want to produce your special. And uh, so that was like, 
it was great. It, sure. it, it, it was super, that was super fun. And in the meantime, I still work for MMA or I still write, do all that stuff. And then the fighters come to the shows and um, <laughs> stuff like that. So it's, it's been a good, like, it's been, it's, it's been fun. I just, you know, a lot of people are like, you're, oh, you just read MMA jokes. Like, no, I write like thousands of other jokes. Just, I just enjoy watching MMA and while I'm watching, I might as well just be, you know, making people laugh. For sure. For sure. Um, so I mean, obviously let's talk about your podcast and they roasted, right? So yeah. you, <laughs> it's like, I was thinking about this morning and I'm like, man, he, does he have a death wish at some point? <laughs> like, like it could backfire. <laughs> I love how Adam just nods in agreement. So like, actually, yeah, I just want to die. I absolutely pummel weak to death. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of times, like I, well, a lot of times I'll text the person beforehand. I'll be like, Hey man, you might have to make the joke about you. And like, Nine out of ten times, like go ahead. Um, I don't like mess with people after they lose, and I'm not right. like oh, you got knocked out. Aha! Uh-huh. Like none of that. I don't fuck with like people's wives or kids or stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, I definitely. Um, it at the beginning it was it was harder because I came from a strictly comedy perspective where like nothing's off limits. Right. And I, when I was working for the UFC, so I figured that oh they probably told everyone to not beat me up, but that, that wasn't the case. I had a couple people like hit me up like if I fucking see you, I'm gonna knock you out, and I was like. Hey man, like, uh, but now, now everyone who said that was like two people were like, now they're the biggest fans and they come on right. the show all the time. We're friends. Um, for the most part, like I don't, it's the people that get the angriest at me are other podcasters who have MMA podcasts, sure. other tweeters, people with like fake profiles, right. like that they're the ones coming in. It's not, it's almost never the fighter. I've had fighters tell me like, Hey, you better not stop making jokes about me. Or like, hey, I'm in the hospital, make fun of me. Or uh, I got a fight coming up, will you give me some jokes? Or people come up and be like, hey, you have any jokes about my, like I, I tweet for a lot of other fighters that they don't know, people don't know about. Yeah. They're like, what do you got for this? What do you got for this? They don't even pay me. I'm just like, I just do it. Sometimes it's just <laughs> like, fucking, um, but then people, they're, they're getting all the credit, which is also like, I'm like, ah, everyone's like, oh, this guy's the funniest guy now. I'm like, well, it's just me fucking giving him tweets and shit. Um, I mean, Adam, there's a little bit of me that's like, you know, listening to you talk and like, you know, that, you know, you're trying to balance, you know, obviously your MMA stuff and uh, that's, uh, you know, like uh, the fighting stuff, uh, fighting jokes versus your regular comedy. Is there some part of you that kind of wants to maybe embrace, you know, just the MMA side? I mean, we see a lot of different people like, let's look at religion specifically. You get people like Modi or Elon Gold who kind of just kind of gravitate towards that Jewish community. And that's where they make their bread and butter. You know, yeah. you get wrestlers, WWE stars who kind of gravitate, Mick Foley that kind of gravitates towards, you know, the, the, the Smarks and, you know, kind of doing that tour. Is there something that just kind of you want to just like, Fuck I mean, yeah, lot, this is me. There's a lot more money in the uh, Jewish community than the MMA community. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's fair. Um, That's absolutely fair. Uh, no, I, I honestly wouldn't wouldn't want to do that. Like that. I mean, it, I, I like writing about my my wife, and my kid, and like politics and stuff, like pop culture and everything else. I just you know, and plus it's just it's just not enough, not not enough people. And also some of the communities, like I wouldn't say they're jealous, but they're also like uh, they're just um. It's just not always like, I'm just like forcing a genre on some people sometimes. And, I, and it's also not the kind of shit that I do. Like, like, some, like some people like tweet out people getting knocked out memes or they are like, they make funny videos of somebody getting laid out. I, I just, that's not what I do. You know, I'm just not that guy. Right. Um, I just not, so it's just, and it's not enough. Like I like keeping it separate. 
uh, like totally keeping it separate. I like I like being the go-to guy, you know, when somebody has something. But there's also some really talented people, and uh, and, and there's funny. There's a lot of funny people, but there's also a lot of not enough money in it. I mean, like I kind of tried following the UFC around for like a second, but it was like you gotta find the, the space, call them up convince them that this fucking then they're like who's coming to our place wrestlers and uh, they, they think angry fighters are just going to show up and uh, you know wreck the fucking place. it's a lot it's a lot of groundwork yeah. you know and it's just not i don't know i i just uh no i mean it, it, i i love it and it's and it it's a lot easier when it's just still a hobby yeah because i i don't want and it's a hobby that i get paid for but I don't want to be that guy living in a fucking studio, one bedroom with a fucking podcast and like, you know, like, you know, six listeners who's like, oh, you know, I just, it, there's a lot, of, it's, a, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's hard enough to make it as a fighter, sure, you know, fucking versus the guy, comedian just making jokes about that. It's a, it's, it's fun when it comes up, but comedy is the bread and butter. Hey, real quick. Has anybody crossed over any like fighters, MMA fighters that have crossed over in the comedy realm? Shab. Brendan Shab would be like the best example of somebody. Yeah. I mean, okay. You know, I don't really know Brendan that well. I know we he like blocked me on a couple of mediums for making like one little joke about him. Uh, and I know we had some issues in the beginning because we were both sharing the podcast space at Fox Sports. And then they would go over like an hour fucking, and then my guests would just leave. And then they were like, well, we get better ratings for some bullshit. And then, that, and then that became a fucking thing. And then, but since then we kind of squashed it. Uh, but it was more me and Callan because me and Callan were friends. And I was like, bro, like, what is like come on man and then he said he didn't he didn't mean it like that he, he was just saying that that's what fox was thinking and you know since then me and Callan became friends and uh you know i reached out to him um when uh since all the crazy shit's been going on with him right. <laughs> that's a whole other thing yeah what um has there been anyone that you've wanted to have on or or do you know roast that you didn't for a reason or you just didn't get on the show that you want uh, I mean, I was on Rogan a long time ago and I mean, 10 years ago. And I was like, I think I had just been off like two weeks of cruise ships and I got there. It was before, I didn't even know the name of the Joe. I thought it was a Joe Rogan, uh, uh, experiment. Like I didn't right. even know what the name of the show was. And I got there and I, I like smoked a fucking joint. And I, and then I drank like this much of coffee and I was just talking way too fast. I, and I thought he was like setting me up where fighters were gonna come in through the fucking door to like threaten me. I didn't know what was going on. Like I was one of those things where I was like, fuck. And then Rogan was not in the best mood that day. And uh, like, I got a lot of fans out of it. And a lot of people lo like followed me because of it, but I would love to be on that show again and just not smoke weed next time. Right. Uh, and not drink a fucking gallon of coffee. You're right. Uh, because it wasn't, it was fun. I just was like, man, like I didn't realize like at the time you know, what I was, I don't know. I, I, it's, all, it's all on me. I'm not blaming anybody. It's, yeah. it's something where I feel like I could have been a better representation of, of myself on that show. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, that shows a machine. Obviously everyone wants to be on the, that show to get like a million followers the next 15 minutes. After you Never heard of it. Show. Never heard of it. Yeah. Right. I don't know who he is either. Uh, Adam, do you miss New York? Uh, I miss the crowds in New York. Uh, I mean, I miss just the, the energy of the crowd of just like, shh. I mean, it's it's a drug. It's like doing the road. Like you just get fucking. And I miss that. Like, you could pretty much say anything on stage. You don't get the ooze. Or if you do it, they're almost embraced. You know, I started doing comedy in 1999, and at first I was doing laundromats and supermarkets and donut shops with 
Danny and Jody, Jody Wasserman and Danny Cohen used to book me. It was like me, Brody, Dimitri Martin. And like, then I was like, uh, Gladys passed me at Hamburger Harry's, which meant like giving out flyers. Gladys, yeah. I, I, I talked to Yamanika several times about that and Lori Kilmartin. I handed out flyers for four years in fucking Times Square. And I was like, would see kids I went to college with. And like, it was they're like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, great, I'm at Hamburger Harry's. And they're all fucking wearing like suits at Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> getting like spit on by people and fucking, like the black Israelites would yell at me and I was a really good barker there was look don't get me wrong I had some great nights so many tourists were there and you could get laid like fucking like I was like it was the best in, in a lot of ways but it was also like the worst you tell a joke that everyone in the world could get you couldn't do any kind of reference that anybody because everyone's from Denmark or whatever but then I was like managed by Santa New York and I, I won like a trip to LA that was a, out of a fixed contest basically like I didn't even enter the contest <laughs> and I just fucking like showed up and they just like go put me on stage and I won and, and then and then once I won the guy Anthony Clark was like hey man you know he was on yesterday at the time he's like I want you to open for me you're a great comic this and he got me his manager and then since then it was like I got on last comic standing and the tonight show and you know things but it was fucking brutal man I mean New York I loved it and, and I, I wouldn't trade it and I love doing three four spots a night but like literally I was plunging toilets in the New York comedy club in the small room for stage time to just to do like the Puerto Rican show at midnight <laughs> and, and fucking bombing. I'd be like the only white comic and all the comics hated me. And it, it was, it was some rough fucking nights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it definitely built character and, but there's definitely, um, I don't, I wouldn't say kids have it easier, but there was no internet, you know, there was no way of getting people into a room unless you were on TV or you had a flyer. Uh, there was no internet at all. So it was crazy. I, I, I always hear this, that, you know, like people, you know, you know, cutting their teeth in New York and then getting out to LA and, you know, being a lot more comfortable out there and getting the success that you're at right now. Um, how do you feel about some of these, uh, you know, you talked about these in the eyes, I'll be honest. Uh, Mike Cannon was on the stage a couple of week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he got some ooze, and that was his closer. And it wasn't the ooze that you were thinking. Do you think that um, a lot of audiences have gone softer uh, in the last couple of years? No, I think I think you'll know the the, the type of softness in the crowd by like the club. You know, I think the clubs that are like woke comedy experience or something. You know, like uh, like oh, it's 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 it, you know woke Wednesdays here. Like, don't go there with like anything that you don't, that you're gonna, you know? So I think like, I think alter I think it was almost alternative rooms where like, at one point it was like a, a battle between joke tellers and storytellers, you know? Um, I'm happy that's fucking over with, uh, <laughs> but you know, no, I don't, I don't find it's, I think that I get way more people being like, thank you for being like quote unquote edgy. Thank you for not giving a shit. Thank you for not, you know, I don't think that people want to be lectured on stage, like when they like, when, they, when they go out at a comedy club. I mean, obviously some applause breaks are okay, but like, you know, we got to stop racism. Everyone fucking knows that, you know? Um, <laughs> like, you know, hey, you know, man, this is bullshit. You know, women need to get paid more. We all fucking know that we, everyone, know, everyone knows that. I, I think the only time you should be doing that is when you're bombing and you need to like get the crowd back. But people you. use that as a cheap applause break and, you know, like clapped her. Uh, uh, you know, they call it, uh, yeah, like clap, clap uh, clapping has been become like this new kind of laughter. Like it, it, it doesn't balance it. You know, I've, I've seen many a comics nowadays that, you know, uh, literally 
I mean, uh, the ongoing joke is like, oh, this is a TED talk. But yeah, essentially, and, and it's not even just, everyone says the Brooklyn Rooms, but it's not just the Brooklyn Rooms. There's this growing sense of, you know, standing on stage and, you know, making it like uh, like at some forum to, uh, you know, tell you all the things that are world with this, uh, wrong with this world that we already know about. Yeah, I mean, it used to be like, people would get claps because they memorize like a, like a, like a, like a monologue and a character. And I thought that was almost cheap too. Cause like, do, what are we, are we doing theater? Like what's going, I mean, you know, like, okay, we get it. Like you're acting, you did a great monologue for an acting, but I'm just like, okay, I, I get it. But yeah, I think that, um, look, uh, it, it, I don't mind claps, but it's just at least make it be something where I'm just like, well, I, I didn't think about that. Like, holy fuck. Or, or, you're, or you're taking the opposite stance about about something, you know? Um, or it's something where you're just like, wow. But it's just like, yeah. Like give it up for the troops. Like there are no troops here, you know. Like I, I fucking I I understand that like you want to give it up for the troops, but like, like like come on, donate some money to the fucking military if you want to get out. Like, like what are we doing here, you know? I, but I get it. There are sometimes I think that it's like it's a crutch, but I feel like that's when you're bombing. When when like when you're going down, or if you follow somebody where you're like, man, I don't have an opener strong enough to fucking follow this. Like, give it up for the last guy. Wasn't he great? You know, like, like as if you really fucking are happy that that guy killed. You know, like, <laughs> but you need something. But I get it. You know, I, I understand what you're doing. I can see it. But ladies in the house. Oh, man, you're the real fucking. I mean, come on. Like, like this. But I, I understand it. I just feel like, like, jokes. It's hard to write a fucking joke, man. For every 10 jokes you write, three or three are going to work. Two are going to work. Which means eight times you're going to fucking fail. And that's if you're a really good comic. Uh, and now you can't even test the jokes out on, on the internet anymore. You'll get fired for those fucking seven ones that didn't fucking pass you. So you gotta do it on stage, you know? But you gotta do the work. You know, you gotta do the work. Like, I am guilty of always wanting to kill. That's the problem with LA, was that I, you know, I went out there and I'm like, if I don't kill every fucking night, I'm not gonna get booked back. And then I get into this fucking shit of like, I'm not gonna get booked back, I'm gonna be broke. I'm not able to pay rent. I'm going to be a loser. I'm going to go home. Fucking, I'm going to drive Uber. My wife's going to leave me. I'm, it becomes this whole fucking, like, my kid's going to think I'm a failure. So it's like, I have to kill every night, right? So because of that, I didn't take as many risks as I'm taking now, you know, or I'm doing things now. And I, I think that was a regret on my part uh, because, you know, while people are on their fifth hour, like, I'm not on my fifth hour, you know? Um, but I probably would have been if I had, like, not giving a fuck about killing. That's why I opened up my own room out here. When I came out to LA, I opened up a room with the Wesley Brewing Company because I had nowhere to perform. So I walked around UCLA. I, I learned what I learned in New York. I, I lied to people and told them that like fucking Chris Rock and everyone was gonna be at the fucking this bar. And uh, and next thing I know, they actually were there because I had the hottest chicks, all the sorority girls came. So then we had Jeff Ross and Fitzsimmons and Chelsea Handler and Dane Cook and the Wayans brothers because and I had the hottest room in LA for a while, you know, I mean, a hot room, not the hottest. And then I went and I lost that. I opened up the dime bar in New York out here. It's a little room that holds 10 people because I need a place to where I could suck and not have to worry about not getting booked back. Yeah. You know, that's what I tell anybody, anybody ever tells me, how do I become a comic? I go start a room yeah. uh, because it's going to force you to write and people are going to come to you because most comics are, are hilarious people, or well, not most, a lot of them are hilarious, but people don't want to do the, the fucking legwork. Of, uh, running a room is a whole different fucking thing. It's For a sure. whole different thing, you know?
So. Yeah, it's very, very true. So I, I know you have to get to a uh, super fun physical. Yeah, my wife. Uh, but before we roll, we have to, we we end on one thing. But I'm just curious, super quick, between boxing and MMA, do you think, or who do you think, if you do, if we're going to see like champions that had long runs, like a George St. Pierre did, or like you know um, Mayweather, Pacquiao, like someone that runs for years as a champion that that really you know, brings out crowds or is it going to be these, you know, twos and duns and just constant rollover of, of belts? I, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, Dagestan, like Dagestan has, is this little country, like by where Russia is, they breed all these amazing fighters because there's no other sport. They're the toughest people in the world. You go to school for wrestling yeah. like, age three. If you promise to take care of your whole family, and, and they take care of everyone that you know, if you're this. So you get the Khabibs. You get a guy like Khabib who goes 30 and 0 because yeah. no one can deal with his wrestling. They have a lot of guys out there like that. The problem is they have like six followers on the internet and, and they don't draw anybody outside of their fucking village, you know? Sure. So they're hard to promote, but there are guys out there like that, you know? Um, I know. No, no, I'll, I'll be two minutes. Okay, well, they have to go now. They have to go now? Yeah, so Dagestan. Uh, sorry, guys, I fucked up. Uh, no worries. All right, but but yeah, there are some. I think in boxing, it's just too many, too many belts, too many organizations. Guys don't fight each other. There's like, it's like, if you could take the MMA version of guys fighting every week, and you do the boxing model of guys like never fighting and merge them together, you'd have the perfect organization. Right, all right, man. Go do your physical. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> Safety it. first. Adam, we'll see you soon. We'll Thanks, man. Good, buddy. Guys, thank you. Thanks, Thanks man. Have a good one.